It's better for everyone if this ugly broad just stays on this planet alone. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody needs that. Nobody wants it or needs it. It's better for everyone if she's just isolated on this planet alone. everyone and welcome to into the wormhole with larissa and lauren i'm larissa maestro your captain and here with me is my number one lauren lowen <laughs> larissa i just have one thing to say yeah the women <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, it's fucking hilarious so uh <laughs> You're my number one. We're going to talk about a different number one today uh, because, yeah, because we are going to talk about Strange New Worlds. And we're also going to talk about the original pilot for the original series, The Cage, starring Mm -hmm. the the first captain, Captain Pike. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very excited. I I have to tell you something, Larissa. I I know The Cage. I know... Yeah. Christopher Pike, and I know obviously the importance of the episode to the series, but I have to admit, I've never seen The Cage until we did this episode. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. This is my first time watching it. Oh my god! I have I have some holes in my TOS viewing. I've I've admitted that in the past, and this is one of them. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> no, no. I just want to say this because it comes up, but like I think, especially now with all these new Star Trek shows, like no one should feel pressured to consume every single Star Trek thing out there, whether yes. it be TV shows, movies, books, comics, uh, online app games, whatever there is now. It's. Like <laughs> I mean, this is this franchise is older than Star Wars. Everyone, it predates Star Wars by like a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there is a lot of material and because it's a franchise of television and not just film, it's film and television. There is just so much that's canon. That's not canon. That's just everywhere. Like swimming around. Like, what do you, what do we do? We just watch Star Trek forever for the rest of our lives? I mean, yes, probably. That is <laughs> like, well, if you really want I the mean, answer. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we can't be expected to know everything. Although Star Wars is starting to, to get there, too, because, I mean, a lot of people would point out that there were a lot of mostly animated TV shows, um, you know, and then. Yeah. True. And then now they're getting into like the Mandalorian and I think they're getting into some other things. So, oh boy, Star Wars is going to catch up really fast. But yeah, yeah, are, I mean, definitely getting there. Yeah. Star Wars is going to catch up. I don't know how fast they're going to catch up because we now have, let's count, new Star Trek, oh my Lower gosh. Decks, Discovery. Prodigies. Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and potentially pretty soon in the next few years section 31 oh god that's right so So, yeah 
are we getting to a point i was thinking about this because i i'm wondering if i'm gonna hit i mean just as a hashtag star trek parent i am going to hit the point with any of my media that i just can't i can't consume it all just because i do not literally have the time um, yeah. So I'm going to have to pick and choose. But also, is this kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're just getting fatigue, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I th- I think yes. I think what's going to happen with me is that I'm probably going to try to watch everything, but I'm going to end up picking and choosing the things that are my favorites. You know, like I I do also love Marvel, but like... There's some stuff that's that I don't care. I don't care about watching it. I don't care about it. You know, well, I know which I know which stuff is my favorite stuff. I will mm-hmm. give things a shot, but like I'm not trying to watch every fucking thing. And they're all like exhausting. Also, that's the other thing about Marvel. Marvel is exhausting. It's just like so there's it's just a lot. It's a lot, right? All the well, time. And I was thinking about it because it is a, a little different. Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now is very much that kind of kind of like comic books, like a very intertwined. It's like, oh, the ending of Batman 2 uh, relates to the latest Avengers movie when that came out. Oh, yeah. And you have to watch Loki to understand what's going to happen in phase four and that thing yeah. in WandaVision. So at least the good news is, even though obviously all the Star Trek shows relate to each other it's not like you better watch Picard season two or else you're not gonna yeah. understand Stranger New World it's kind of almost like they're trying to offer more content for more niche markets so yes. it's like hey if you want something funny there's Lower Decks if you're a kid there's Prodigy although yeah. obviously you and I fell in love with Star Trek as kids so mm-hmm. yeah it's like I, I would be like hell yeah I'm gonna do Next Generation um, with my kid <laughs> yeah but yeah, it seems like they're trying to get more just flavors rather than like, again, you have to watch this to get this and blah, 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 blah. Because yep. that I would not be able to stay on top of. And the cool thing is also that they're just using bits that have already existed to make something new as opposed to like tying it into this whole intricate web of a like a larger more expansive storytelling you know like they're just using the universe and using the information that we already have in the universe you're correct like marvel is like you better watch everything or you're not gonna get something and Mm -hmm. i really don't feel like especially with strange new worlds that we're gonna have that problem well i think part of the reason for that and this is a good segue into talking about strange new worlds and the original series and the cage is that they have purposefully made Strange New Worlds an episodic storytelling series. So they're going back to the the way that the original series told stories, which was capsule episodes. You have a story arc within this capsule. Mm-hmm. You have the adventure of the week. And then you move on to the next thing. Instead of this very intricate like timelines getting smushed into each other and this thing affects the other thing and that thing affects and you have to if you don't if you miss one episode you know like the thing that ds9 ended up doing which was amazing which changed star trek in a lot of ways but yeah keeping that kind of storytelling in a show like discovery 
where it's a long game, right? It's like whole season arc, whole season arc, like maybe whole series arc. We'll see. And then also having this other show that is episodic moral lessons contained in single episodes. I think that's fucking great. Yeah, I need something like that, honestly. Right? Um, that's kind of why I like The Mandalorian. I know I bring up The Mandalorian a couple of times before, but... It's you know, such that's a good some- show. That's something where it really was, like, even though there was, like, the, the long game story, you know, the longer, ar- the larger arc, it was something where it was, like, these little mini episodes, and, you know, they're, they're chapters, and it felt like that. And um, it was very f- adaptable to my lifestyle. <laughs> yes. 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 And I kind of need that again. Um, so that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, I love Discovery. I really do. Especially season three. We're probably going to talk briefly about season two because these characters in Strange New Worlds do play a huge role in season two of Discovery. <sighs> but I don't have time to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I don't have time to be like, wait, what is that? Wait, did they mention that one time in an episode like four episodes ago? <laughs> I really do feel like it's, it's the obsessive detective where you show the wall and it's got like the yeah. strings and all the lines are attached to like the places and the evidence. And Yeah, I feel like it's you know. Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> well, it's so yes. funny that you mentioned that because um, I just wanted to slide this in here, an idea for Discovery. And you and me in the podcast. Mm. And um, Keith uh, listens to, I don't know if you know Survivor at all. I do. And I do know that Keith very much loves Survivor. I have probably seen like an episode of Survivor. And every time I remember that it's still on television, I am shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's okay. Uh, Well, one of the more popular players, a guy named Rob, um, there's two Robs, so if anyone is listening, it's just not Boston Rob. Um, if anyone's listening and knows <laughs> who I'm talking about, it's okay that you don't know Larissa. Boston but Rob. He has a couple of podcasts, and one is called Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast. I want to just give credit to this podcast before I mention it. But they had a recent idea where they were going to watch one of the H, I think it was HBO big shows. You know, like a Mad Men, well, even though Mad Men was AMC. But you get it. Like yeah. one of the big shows that they had like Sopranos or something. Yeah. Uh, They ended up watching Hung, which I'm not familiar with. But the idea was, could they take one of these huge, multiple season long episodes? They were just going to watch all the last time on blank (laughs) segments (gasps) for seven seasons. For seven seasons to see if they could piece together a whole long series from just, and part of me thought, I should do that with Discovery. That would be kind of hilarious if I did that. Like, Larissa might love that, or she might kill me if I try to just gobble it up in that way. But I thought that might be a fun Honestly, I wouldn't be mad if you did that with season one. I really wouldn't. With season one? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I will. Maybe we'll have to do that. Just, I'm going to watch all the last time on, yeah, (laughs) segments. See if you can piece together what the fuck happens in season one. Exactly. And see if I get it. Because honestly, season one, the the whole the whole season is like, what the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> took me a minute. It took me a minute to get in. I know that I'm not the only one that needed some time to actually <laughs> warm up to Discovery. But yeah, it. I wouldn't mind if you did that. That's hilarious. Okay. 
I really, I need you to watch season three, though. You have to actually watch it. Can I do that with season two? Uh, oh, she's... I mean, you can, you can, but season two is where it gets really good. Okay, okay. I'll do season one that way then. Yeah. And we'll see if I'm anywhere close. <laughs> so speaking of Discovery season two, this is where we get these new old characters back. So season two of Discovery is where our new Captain Pike enters the story. It's where our new Spock really enters the story. It's where our new number one really enters the story. So we get intros and character development on all three of these, what we're calling legacy characters, it seems like in the franchise now. And it's very cool. The casting is excellent. And because two of these characters only had one episode of Star Trek, they're really able to take them in whatever direction they want. Actually, I'm wrong. Christopher Pike does come back in the Kelvin timeline in Star Trek 2009. He's played by Bruce Greenwood. That's true. That's true. But I don't I don't think they need to worry about the Bruce Greenwood Captain Pike. I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. But the yeah, that the cool thing about that is that we have this this excellent these excellent actors cast in these parts and for two of these characters we can do whatever the fuck we want with them. Yeah. And I'm and I'm really excited about that. One thing I do want to say is that on Discovery Pike started to become one of my favorite captains. Okay. I know a lot of people are fans of him. Yeah. I from mean, Discovery. He's a very nice looking man. Anson Mount is very handsome. <laughs> we'll just, you know what? We'll put that out there first. Hold on. Hold on. I, first of all, yes, he is. I am guessing, though, there is something about his charisma that ups his attractiveness, though. Yes, because I'm not absolutely. complaining. I'm not complaining about the way he looks, but I feel like there's got a there's something I'm missing. I could just tell because the reaction he gets, I'm like, this is something where once I watch it, I'll be like, oh, I get it, I get it. Yes, All yes, right. yes. I think for the the people who are like super fans of this new iteration of Pike, I think it's because of his leadership style. He's not a dictator. He's also not a loner diplomat. He's also not a soldier. And he's also not a, <laughs> a sciencey sort of mom figure. I'm well, trying to like. <laughs> is he more of like, a, I don't want to say fatherly because that's the wrong word. But it seems like I, I've only seen him once very briefly in that role, which was the short track where the trouble mm. of Edward and he came off as like um more mentorish or just a little bit more laid back in that yeah. brief in that brief moment. Yeah. So I would well I would describe his leadership style as um he's he's a team player. Mm. He's um, Oh, is he a coach? He, well, is he like no, a high school I, coach? <laughs> no, because he also doesn't have that like military hierarchy separation between jobs like he feels like he is a member of a team not in charge of a team he's always open to 
listening to how everyone feels about a situation. He always very quickly admits when he's wrong and apologizes. He's in the job to make everyone feel comfortable so that they do their best. And he knows For- that that's, that's his main job. It's not to tell people what to do or to delegate. It's mm-hmm. to create an environment in which everyone is thriving. And right. that is so beautiful, especially when you consider the fact that he is played by a white man. Of course, he has to be because the original Pike is a white man. But he is really showing the audience this concept of non-toxic masculinity. (laughs) He's a strong, very masculine guy. Like, he just is. But he is not any of those classic masculine tropes. Mm, Yeah. He is willing to be emotional. He's willing to be vulnerable. And he's not in it for power and glory in Mm -hmm. any way, like at all, like zero percent. And it's a beautiful thing. It's so lovely. He makes people feel comfortable. That is. And that's like the laid back thing I think you're getting from it. Like he makes people feel like they are seen and that they're important and that he is not above them, which is really lovely. I see a lot of good friend moments ahead. Um, Yeah, there's some (laughs) really good friend moments. Good friend moments. (laughs) Very, very, very good friend moments. Really wonderful. All right. Well, before we get too far along on talking about the new Strange World stuff that is out there, uh, do you want to talk about the cage more specifically? I do. Okay. I just thought it would be cool to, like, watch this source material and like see what the fuck we're working with (laughs) i mean it is just an interesting part of star trek history too yeah because pilots and i've even talked about i mean this isn't even like the pilot pilot because you know we've seen first episodes this is this is like the proof of concept yeah pitch for star trek and yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because like I definitely have things in my notes, but I have to stop myself, remind myself that this is Star Trek before Star Trek was even a thing. So mm-hmm. you almost kind of have to put it in its own little bubble and not compare it too much to the decades and just ton of lore that has been established. Because at the time, yeah. even, I don't even think Roddenberry knew. You yeah, know. yeah. Um, and there were so many changes that happened. And we have gosh. to remember that this pilot didn't actually air on television until like 1980-something, right? It was... It, okay. See, this is where I read some notes. And okay, tell me about this, because I was so, under the impression that it never there made so many it to television. goddamn notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> actually, now that you mention that, I don't know if I can confirm that or not. I, first of all, there's so many names and so many moving pieces. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get too far into it, so I'm going to talk a little more vague just for the sake of efficiency. Yeah, but you know Roddenberry was selling it with um, his team, and they, he was about to leave the door when the studio said, "No, we don't want to order a script." And the person with him said, "Hey, tell you what, don't think of it as a pilot for a TV show. Order a script and make it a ninety-minute movie special, like an event, like a special event, and that way you can still air it and recoup your losses instead of 
using it as like a test for the show, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it was treated as just like a, hey, even if it doesn't get made into a show, it's still just going to be its own little sci-fi movie and you can show it and get ratings and money back. So that's how they actually sold it to the studio. And they were like, okay. Um, And Roddenberry wrote four different stories for the studio to pick. I assumed that this episode was written just as was like the only one and that it was written assuming that they had no budget and had to work with a lot of props and sets that already existed. Mm -hmm. But instead what happened was Roddenberry actually had fleshed out four stories for the studio to pick and they picked this one. One of the reasons why they picked it was because it had a very um, elaborate looking alien species and they kind of wanted to be like, okay, you want to do this? We're going to give you one of the harder episodes to do. We're going to see if you can pull it off. They're trying Um, to fuck with them. Pretty much. Yeah. And one of the, the only other thing I remember about that part of the history is that one of the other episodes was Mud's women, woman, actually. Mud's women, excuse me. Um, <laughs> but the studio decided that having an intergalactic pimp selling sexy women sex lives was like maybe not the way to go when pitching this new show. <laughs> so that's, that one did not get funny. picked. Well, uh I think it I think that they made the right choice and they should have made that choice again because Mud's women is awful. <laughs> they Although did this anyway. one has sexy women too. I know, oh my god. <laughs> um I feel like I kind of got off tangent though to No, your no, 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 no. No, no, no. I did I did just look at the Wikipedia Oh, page. about whether it aired or not. I mean, yes, obviously so- it didn't air as far as like Star Trek goes. It but didn't it may have- air on television until 1988. Okay. So in 1987, they unearthed the edited sections of this pilot. Yes. And they were able to complete a full color version of it. And it was broadcast on TV in 1988 as part of a television special hosted by Patrick Stewart called The Star Trek Saga from One Generation to the Next. Okay. I did read about that. Yes. So that was the first time it was ever aired on TV. Okay. So I guess it did get shown to test audiences and investors and studios. I'm sure it did. I'm sure. Yeah. Because also, I mean, I'll I'll just say the things that I actually do know, which are that the studio hated both number one and Spock. Yeah. Which is hilarious (laughs) to think about now because, first of all, Spock is like the most famous character in star trek i think i would i would say (laughs) probably the most famous character and that number one is has like had a cult following Hmm. forever because of not only the fact that there was a female first officer but also because of majel barrett roddenberry because we all love the shit out of her and everything that she's ever done, pretty much, <laughs> for Star Trek. And how important she is to the franchise. It's interesting to think about the fact that the two characters that the studio hated the most were a woman and a mixed-race alien. Yes. And of so uh, it's funny that you mentioned Majel Barrett and her number one. Because in the notes I read, which again, take this with a boulder of salt, but... I imagine it's been heavily vetted because it has all the, you know, credits and footnotes. 
the legend goes that they didn't, that some of the complaints and feedback was that they didn't like the idea of a woman being second command. I wonder if that has to do with more like sexist vibes or if it, which don't get me wrong, like it's going to be sexist either way. I also wonder if it's I mean, this, back- this whole episode is is hashtag sexist vibes. <laughs> well, there's definitely some <laughs> there's definitely some sexist vibes, but I think also some of it might have been that this was not necessarily they had just come from battle. And right now, Enterprise was not established as a ship of exploration. It was established as I guess what you could see as like a possibly military ship. Yeah. And if you think about it in the real world, women really have not been in the front lines until recently. That was in hot debate for a long time. Yeah, I mean, at the so, time, they definitely were not. So it was challenging, but it could also have been seen as, I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm I'm saying it, it. I think it was more about like putting a woman in danger like this was immoral or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sexist, but I think there's more than just like, we can't have women on the bridge in power. You know, I think it was more of just views in real life about women and, and where they were in the military at that point. And that's why she got turned into Nurse Chapel. So there, there was like that. But what I read is that... Like a nurse would be a better job for her. I think she'd be better at, at, at being a nurse than being a Can we make her blonde? Can we make yeah, her blonde but, too? But don't sh- make her blonde and make her in, put her in medical, but don't make her a doctor. Oh, God, no. Heavens, no. Don't make her a doctor. Can we make her a plant? Can she hold branches? <laughs> to stand She's there. She's just decorative you're in you're in mccoy's light just stand over there a little bit more um no but okay but apparently the notes have actually said that this is a contradiction that they were actually okay with the character of number one but they actually weren't okay with the actor with majel barrett that they didn't think she was good enough and could pull it off and so i don't know if that character was just pulled because roddenberry just thought this is hers (laughs) Huh? Yeah, I'm just like fuck those guys. Uh, I know. I know. Bar- now, when we look at that, when I when I hear that about Majel, I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she's not good enough. It's, I mean, after well, like seeing her her whole her like career as basically the first lady of Star Trek, like like thinking about her performance in Dark Page. Thinking about like just her, oh god, she's so fucking great. I'm that makes me so angry. But also, I mean, I'm getting ahead of us. But in this episode, yeah. her strength is intelligence. It's not necessarily like likability. <laughs> according to yeah. the aliens, according to the aliens, yeah, she's also, not the pretty one. She's not pretty. Yeah, <laughs> according to the aliens, yeah, it's like okay, yeah, we got to remember. Um, uh, so we'll definitely dig into more of that, but I, I do wonder <laughs> if it was almost like he couldn't, like he just couldn't recast her because originally Robert April was the original name of the captain. So besides the captain, you know, number one was the first character he really fleshed out and he just had Majel in mind for it. And I don't know in his mind if he was just like, if I can't have her, I just don't want anyone then. Were they? Um, they were dating already, right? They were. I can't remember if they were dating. They definitely weren't married. They weren't married. I think I, I, they were. Were I they? Were, like did they, they get married dating. after the lieutenant? Okay. I mean, I think they were together. I just can't confirm if they were married by then. I'm sure if I did a I don't quick think Google they were, search, yeah, I don't think they I were could married. check. But I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I was just wondering, like, is it was this like when Jean was like, I 
I'm trying to date her or when, or when Jean was dating her and thinking I want to marry her. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. thinking about like where in their progression their relationship was at that at that moment in time and like how much that emotional context affected the writing of this character, you know? Yeah. Because it's obvious that he loves her. Oh like, yeah, you know, it's it's obvious that like he wrote her a character that's like you are special. You, this character you are is number special. one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is just me guessing. I wouldn't be surprised if some degree, especially if it was like okay, Spock is going to replace number 1 if it was just like let's give Majel a new character and we're going to just we're just going to shelve number 1 because if we I mean, you know what it's like when you create something and people are like, "Can we change the ending?" Or yeah. can we da da da? And you're like, mm, no. Like, if you don't want it my way, then we're not gonna. We're not this gonna is my poke vision, and mess with this. Why are you this. trying to change my vision? Why are you trying to change it? This is the best way. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, okay. We're just gonna we're just gonna put this in our back pocket and let's just start from square one. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of different debate about whether it was the the actual problems were number one or whether it had to do more with they wanted to cast someone different than maybe yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so i don't think we are gonna have necessarily like a summary in notes i think what we have to do is just oh, like, yeah. start talking about the episode and then yeah. talk about it as we go along because yeah, yeah yeah so many things when it comes to the production or moments like this and she, number one has some great moments in the very beginning that we're already kind of alluding to um but just remember that because this is like not even episode one of star trek this is like episode zero yeah <laughs> yeah um that like th there's obviously differences it's like a whole different cast except for nimoy who went to spock but this is casual spock remember, remember yeah. when we were talking about like data still cooking yeah oh damn this is like yep spock still is not spock yet he smiles when, when they walk up to that oh my that, god like plant that's vibrating and then he's like he's like he he, he. <laughs> i know he's like cool what's this <laughs> So cute. But we I get love on the... Nimoy's cute little smiles. It's just, it's like, it just tickles me. It fucking tickles me. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into casual Spock. Yeah. Um, the episode opens and we are on the Enterprise. Uh, the Enterprise itself as a character is very different. This is a very dark, drab ship it does not have that classic red yet yeah it um, doesn't have so, a sparkle to it yeah there's no like blinky lights um it feels it feels like if you took dunder mifflin from the office yeah. you know like scranton pennsylvania and just like plopped it up in space it yeah. is just beige and boring we I don't have the red uniforms even so we yeah. don't have that color I love that you said Dunder Mifflin because also they're still using paper. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they do. They're like, I, they're like printing paper out of consoles and they're like handing each other pieces of loose Like paper. it's a fax machine. I just like to think of the person whose job was to feed that through, you know? They're just waiting for someone to wave their finger and it's like, ah, now. Uh, oh, it is so fun to like watch this and think about all the people behind the like literally inside of the set doing things like opening the doors and closing the doors. And stuff. Yes. Oh, I love it. Anyway, so Dunder Mifflin in space, literal pieces of loose yeah. paper flying about. Uh, and actually it's like a pretty speedy 
five minutes. I mean, there's a lot given to us in five minutes, which I think is very impressive. Like you find out they just came from Rigel seven, 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 um, Rigel seven. And they were in battle. Many of them are injured. The captain Pike is a little um, disenchanted with space life and being the captain of responsibilities. Uh, during this time, we do get number two, as you said, and, uh, number sorry, one. Not number two, number one. Number two. Think of Riker. <laughs> Shame. Um, but yes, he's Thomas he, Riker shows up. <laughs> he does that thing on the chair. Um, <laughs> little little people know that the chair move was actually done in the cage and we wouldn't see yes, it yes, again yes. until <laughs> Yes, it's canon. It's canon. Right, right. But um no, you're right. Uh another woman gets on the bridge to deliver a file and Pike is a little distracted and makes a comment about like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just not used to seeing a woman on the bridge. And then a number one kind of flashes him a look and he says, oh, not you. You're different, which is such a like, oh, gosh, a loaded comment these days. Like what? (laughs) Uh... Not just for gender, but for people's nationality ethnicity like religion it's just like oh you know uh it bad bad very bad not not a fan not a fan Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm glad they wrote this stuff out of captain pike's character yeah i also i just want to say really quickly that majel barrett roddenberry or majel barrett at the time is a fucking knockout in this episode. Like she is so breathtakingly gorgeous that every single time someone says that she's not pretty, I am, I gasp. You know what I mean? Because she is stunning. She's stunning. (laughs) Like her hair is so perfect and gorgeous. She is, she, her face is fucking flawless. And then left and right, men are just like, but you're not pretty, but not, but you're different because you're not pretty. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What are you I, seeing that I'm not seeing? Because she's impeccable. What? Yes. And then they get a distress call to a planet. It turns out that it's radio waves, right? Like they have been, they found some radio waves. They're 18 years old. But hark, there are still survivors. So they got to go check it out. This and- is after also uh, Pike and the doctor have a martini. Which I kind of love. Yeah. I do love the line the doctor says there are some things a man will tell his bartender that they want to tell his doctor. So he yeah. gives him a martini and I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was cute. I liked when he was like, what are you doing? Are you putting an ice cube in that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, and number one has to stay on the ship when the rescue party goes down to the planet. Even though technically, now that we have all this canon... If you think about um, the protocol that we know now, she should have gone and Pike should have stayed on the fucking ship. That is true. Yep. We have to give it a pass because, again, yep. that all that stuff came afterwards. But, but also, yes, captain, it, the captain stays on the fucking ship. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and she definitely like gives a look. like She's like, oh, yeah, this shit again. Yeah. She's like, I know, I know. I got to stay on the ship. I just want to interject quickly and say yeah, I loved all of those because there are quite there are several moments, I would say, where we see Majel, we see number one react to sexist shit. 
We do. We do. In in my experience watching other media and stuff from this time period, we don't see women reacting immediately in a negative way to sexist shit. There's a lot of just acceptance. There's just a lot of like, ha ha ha, laughing it off. But she is like shooting people death stares. She's like, she's, you can tell in her, inside this character, she's like, fuck you. (laughs) She's like, okay, here we go again. Here we go again. You guys being assholes to me. And I just have to shut the fuck up and take it. Like, it's very visceral, actually, to watch it. And more reasons why I fucking love Majel so much. Yeah, the episode actually provides some internal pushback, I would say. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because, in theory, it was something they were setting up to explore later in the series. Mm -hmm. Um, What I don't like, I'm kind of skipping to the end, but the end is where I have my most problems with this episode. But um, overall, though, I think it's a very captivating piece of sci-fi. Yeah. But uh, I do wish something in this episode went to her favor towards the end. Just literally anything. Can we give her something? (laughs) Can she have have one nice thing, please? Yeah, just because it is such a, 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 a compact piece of storytelling. Yeah. Like even if they were going to continue that story, there should just be like one little moment. Yeah. At the end where it's like she, yeah, she shows us the audience that so she's very capable, but yes. we needed something from, from Pike. Um, yes. And I think that we might get that in Strange New Worlds. I'm pretty sure. Considering the fact that Rebecca Romaine is playing number one. We, I mean, we got some of those moments in Discovery season two as well, where we're like, she's a fucking badass yes yeah. we're we're gonna get that okay and I, I and i think it's because there's this cult following for number one and has been since people were able to see the cage and knew that she existed i think this is like this is like decades worth of of people that are like i mean i'm sure there's tons of fan fiction i know that there are novelizations like mm. people that were like look at this incredible character that we didn't get to have like, where is she? I need her. <laughs> yeah, people want have? justice justice for number one. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And if if anything, Strange New Worlds can be justice for number one, I think. By the way, speaking of, of you know, the, the women's stuff, the, that woman's sexist stuff, uh, a big thing when we yeah. come on this episode is like, hello, everyone's white. <laughs> Star Trek is known for its diversity in the original cast when it came to, you know, having all corners of the world represented. And one thing you notice right away is that everyone is white. Yep. Yep. Or green. Or green. (laughs) I did see one Asian crew member in the teleporter room. Oh, cool. That was it. Yep. That was a good change. I don't know what the story is there, (laughs) but good job <laughs> good job with that change that was good <laughs> yeah so good, there job. Was... good job hiring people of color and women oh my god too. there are some notes where the network was asking roddenberry to cast it sensibly there are air quotes going up sensibly the fuck which does that mean which will roddenberry said which meant all white and he refused but the network has pushed back and said no, that's not true. We've been supportive the whole time. So Of course, of course. They're a so huge take corporation. 
Take that how you will. Yep. They posted a black square and they they were like, we've always supported. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So we have this distress call. Pike goes down with his team to check it out for these survivors of this ship who have been there for 18 years. He come across as a group of men who are older and are in tattered clothes, but apparently there is a super cuts nearby because they still all have their wonderfully like nine to five <laughs> business haircuts. Yep. And amongst them come a beautiful blonde woman who has a very nice clean shirt that has like one or two rips in the sleeve. Perfect hair and makeup. Yep. And she was apparently raised there because she was just a baby yeah. when and- they crashed. And she's wearing like, like, you know, when in The Little Mermaid, when Ariel gets her yes. for the first time and she like makes her own dress out of like a fishing net and, and some cotton, whatever sail she finds on the yes. beach. This woman is wearing that skirt. <laughs> but still has like her top. is Yeah. But sometimes new, somehow a brand new top from Neiman Marcus. <laughs> yes. It looks like she has a sarong on. But yeah, it's a net. True. Like that's what they've done. Uh, this apparently screams, I've been on a planet surviving my ass off for 18 years. Yes. Apparently. Apparently. It's the uh, <laughs> crash survivor chic look. <laughs> and so she comes out and is gorgeous. And um, her and Pike have a little bit of a connection. And she, what happens to him? Is that she just like takes him off? She's like, to the rocks? we should tell him our secret. Come with me. And she like leads him up this mountain. And she's like, don't you see our secret? And he's like, I don't get it. And she's like, you're a beautiful specimen or whatever. And then she disappears. And then these aliens with huge craniums come out of this door in the mountain and grab Pike and pull him into this door, which is an elevator, and then they disappear. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the crew's like, wait, where'd the captain go? All the people disappear. And they're like, what the fuck? And then they go try to get the captain who's in the mountain. They try several times to phaser open the door and cannot. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they're like phaser, 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 phaser. All of these phaser moments... P.S. All of the the effects on these, the practical effects on all these phaser moments. I am here for all of that. <laughs> Me too. I'm it. also, I'm here for just the, the I have in my notes, I just call it the gun. Because yep. I mean, it it looks like, it looks almost like steampunky in a way. Yeah. I couldn't find like, any. You twist it to change the setting yeah. it looks like. It is definitely one of the big things. I mean, the uniforms change. The uniforms look so much more pajama-like. Like, if yeah. you thought they looked like pajamas in the original series, yeah. they look even more pajama-y here. There's, like, no shape to this tailoring at all. There's yes. no... It's all just... I don't know. They They're didn't... Comfy. No, it does look <laughs> It does look comfortable, but, like, everything is misshapen and strangely tailored, not ever specifically to anyone's size or yeah it's it's kind of more like a sweatshirt rather than the very like snug fit that we had in tos it's like one size fits all also the doctor's wearing like a bathrobe yes it's a robe i guess doctors wear robes it just looks like a bathrobe it looks like he like just got out of the shower put on his bathrobe and then walked over to the captain's quarters to have a martini well that's what he's like it's this is like a smoking jacket 
But I went in our archives. Blue. This is what people used to do. They had their smoking jackets yeah. on. They had their cigar, their martinis, trying to play the part. It's, I think it's the fact that it's baby blue that makes it look like a like a a fucking Some terry um, cloth fucking bathrobe that you medical like, uniform. Yeah, it does not look like a medical uniform. It looks like I'm. I just got out of the shower and I'm gonna like do. Some self-care moisturizing. <laughs> I kind of love it, though. He really was trying to come in and not be a doctor. I do. I do love it. I'm not saying I don't love it. I, I'm saying that I'm confused by it. Confused. That's okay. <laughs> Is he in it the whole time? No. it's. I think he's he's pretty much just in it at the top of the Okay. Episode. Okay. That'd be kind of hilarious at the whole time. Because he goes down to the planet with them, and he's wearing the same strange sweatshirt coat that everyone else is wearing yes i mean i think what's amazing is probably this whole episode there was a lot of this looks spacey being said you know Mm -hmm. like sure this yeah this will work yeah yeah okay so so then then it turns out that these large craniumed aliens are just trying to observe and figure out more about the human race so they lock pike up it turns out they have they're telepathic and they can like project shit into people's minds and make them think that they're in different places and make them yeah. think that they're doing things that they're not doing illusions and yes they hallucinations can cre- create such. hallucinations right so he they're also trying to get him to mate with this blonde woman who is also on the planet, I. <laughs> they're trying, well, he's trying. They're trying to get them to like have babies. <laughs> yeah, these 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 are some Basically, passive. I feel like all the really <laughs> asshole passive aggressive aliens come from TOS for the for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like they're. I mean, this this sort of concept has been used again. <clears throat> in other Star Trek, like like there was that episode of Voyager where those aliens were like doing experiments on everyone, but nobody oh, yeah. knew that it was happening. But this is it feels in a way similar to that that they don't have any comprehension of consent. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say decency, but that's a good word too. <laughs> yeah, they and that they see humans as as not as beneath them in the the grand scheme of life in the universe they just want to put living specimens in display cages in their underground lair and do experiments on them and see what happens so that is that's what's happening with pike so so pike starts to realize that in these illusions the blonde woman looks a little different but it's always this woman and so he starts to question who she is is she real is she from his mind and she's kind of dodging the question but it does come out that no she actually is real if there's one thing that was true from the the um survivor crash is that yes there was one survivor it wasn't that whole group but it was just her and she's been kept there the whole time um so she's kind of trying to fill him in on what's going on without getting in trouble with the aliens and i have to admit like during this whole segment i was genuinely intrigued um i I didn't really know what was going on, what, which is good because that's kind of the point of a story. So it should grab you and you want to watch it to the end. So mm-hmm. I was, I was like, all right, all right, story. Like this is just a nice little sci-fi premise. I didn't know if she was fake. I didn't know if she was going to end up being one of the aliens themselves. And you know, her her look was an illusion projected on one of them. 
but they she comes and tells them that they after centuries of war as a species they went underground and they became addicted to other people's lives which i guess you could say was kind of like a metaphor for tv and media in general and it's a metaphor for instagram right nowadays (laughs) yeah and youtube and tiktok um but there was a great quote where she says when dreams become more important than real life you forget and so she said that over the years they have captured all these species to sort of vicariously live through them and their emotions and it's become a narcotic to them Mm. and with the humans the humans are sophisticated creatures that they're like, okay, you guys will work. We need to actually make more of you because not only are you going to help repopulate the planet, I think is what they're saying, but it was about this sort of drug that they needed. The idea that they were going to live through the humans because they were intriguing enough to sort of satisfy this almost like voyeuristic need to to uh, satisfy this this, yeah, this addiction they had to they're casting through. their own reality show. Pretty much, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's so there was kind of like a couple of different objectives from the aliens, but that's roughly what was going on. And so yeah, part of that was like the Adam and Eve metaphor they kept throwing around was that they needed them to like get together. So they keep trying to try all these different methods to make Pike go for it, including turning the blonde woman into an Orion woman. First, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The first, this is the first time uh, that I mean, this is the creation of the Orions. This is the creation of the Orion slave girl. Yes, which is mentioned yeah. early on when he's talking to the doctor. So yeah. I love that it's like a callback. I have always had problems, obviously, with the Orion slave girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know any. Star Trek fan who does not have problems with the Orion slave girl. (laughs) And honestly, it's only recently in brand new Trek that the Orion race as an alien race has been expanded to be something different than this trope. They're all overly sexualized women and they're thieves and they're not to be trusted and they're manipulative and they're just, I don't know if you've never seen one, look up at a picture of one on the internet. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, but now we have like Ensign Tendi on lower decks. Yeah. Who is like not at all that trope and is actively like working to not be seen as that trope, which is beautiful. And then there's also more, on Discovery that I won't say because Lauren hasn't seen it yet. (laughs) Yeah. We also have to think about specifically in this episode for her to be sexualized. They had to change the color of her skin. Hmm. She is a blonde, blue eyed white woman. And for her to be this sexy thing, They not only change her hair color. Interesting. I see where we're going with this. But they change her skin color as well. Yeah. Yeah. So now she can be objectified this way. Mm -hmm. Before she's innocent and pure. 
right? Well, she was the default human, as my yes. students would joke. That default yes. human generally tends to be your your Aryan white mm-hmm. blonde person in Western society. Yeah, and um, yeah. Now that she is just othered in that way, she yep. can be whatever. What else? What other things you want to project onto that yeah. without it being yep. literal? Yeah. Now she can be subhuman. You know, now she is now she cannot she can be treated like a whore. What's really basically I didn't realize that was her until like two minutes into the scene. Yeah, I I mean, it's impressive. That's the actress (laughs) It's impressive. She looks very different. Funny note. They kept doing the test for the, the paint, the body paint. They kept doing the paint. And when it came back, the paint was hardly visible and they would kept going back like three times they did it with like more and more color and they couldn't figure it out. It turns out the company that was actually handling the film when they turned it in, they were color correcting it because they thought it was a mistake. They actually didn't realize she was being painted green. They just thought something was happening like an error. Oh my God. <laughs> so finally it was like, oh, it's supposed to be that way. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, uh-huh. I love how in that scene too, because um, they go there again the set, this set, first of all, looks very cheesy and kind of like Disney-fied and, and a little like, it's like cliche. I wrote down, I love cliche Arabia space set. I don't know if that's the way to describe it, but. Yeah. Mm. Um, also so like set, cult- culturally, very culturally insensitive. Very, yes. Like, uh... <laughs> but as far as the production value, I was, that was the second time in the episode. I was like, oh shit, they're not just like putting up a matte painting and a big rock or two like mm-hmm. you know there's costumes there's all this stuff going on um mm-hmm. so what i do like is that the reason they're sent there is because they're trying this very like romantic picnic scene and it's not working so it's like okay we're gonna change it up and we're gonna put you in this other fantasy and so that's when they go to this like palace and they have the orion slave girl and pike looks like he's about to just like be overcome by such sexiness it's just too sexy larissa and it's like is this dancing really that irresistible that pike is just gonna he has to leave because he's just gonna throw himself at her and have his way with her and it's not and it's nothing he and it's not his fault and it's nothing he can control and she's doing this to him right those hips yep is that shakira (laughs) I mean, if it was Shakira, I would understand. But like, <laughs> but like the it's it's also interesting to me. There, I mean, there are so many like like racial and cultural like problems with oh god yes with all of this. Like the fact that like you know she's she's her doing this is is doing something to him that he has to like fight to like, and it's so hard to not do. You know this idea that like men don't have control over these things. It's like, no, 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 no. Oh, yes. It does get into the very dangerous territory of like when, I mean, of rape culture where it was like, well, what were you doing that made, what were you wearing? Why were you wearing a skirt that was that short? Why were you walking down that street that late? I mean, but you were, you were green. So you were green. (laughs) Green means go. Green Green means means go. go. I'm just saying. Should have been been red. But it's, I mean, we could go into all the things. We could have like yeah. a whole, honestly, we could do an entire episode on Orions. Oh, gosh. 
Um, do I want to? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I want to one day when I want to like just lay it all out. Be sad. <laughs> and be really pissed off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I could. I'll do that. But, you know. We can just say here, like that we're we're taking aspects of Middle Eastern culture, we're over sexualizing <laughs> them, and then we're using those things to make a white man really uncomfortable because he thinks it's sexy. So, like it, there, there we go. <laughs> it's just very yikes, 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 left and right, yikes. Or else, just like supplying this man with all these different. These are the things that women are, right? Like we're the wife with making a picnic for you being like honey would you like some of this like this is so wonderful and I'm so innocent and pure or ultra sexy green babe right yes or damsel in distress Mm. yeah all the all the tropes which like in a way can be used in a clever way like let's I can see like an alien race being like let's use all these stereotypes yeah and here it's just very on the nose, unfortunately. Yeah. This yeah. this is a trope. These are the tropes that Vash is making fun of in her episode. Yes, yes. and that later Star Trek does make fun of regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is this is fucked up. Um, <laughs> re- I mean, I don't know how much we need to like in detail recap everything. Well, I think we're getting to the end. That's the good yeah. news. Yeah. Although I do love the line when they're snapped out of the fantasy again because the rescue team, Spock and number one, go down there. And it's just the women. The women. Yeah. Um, the women. They're put in the cage because the aliens realize this isn't working. So now there's number one, blonde and space woman, and then the... The, the yeoman. The yeoman. Yeah. What is... Yeah. What is it? It's like Ensign. She's basically... She's okay. an Ensign. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But yeah, so the, those are presented to Pike as other options. Oh, you don't want to mate with the female we have? Okay, what about these other two women from your ship? One yeah. is young and fertile and pretty. And hey, number one, she's not much to look at, but she's really smart. Um, that's basically what the aliens are saying. Yeah, and they describe what the offspring uh, would be like with each of these women. And of course it's they tell... really gross. They have to tell Pike that like... Oh, and they're both attracted to you because how could any woman, you know, resist you? I'm rolling my eyes right now. I'm rolling my eyes back into my head. (laughs) And so stupid. (laughs) But yeah, we can just click right to the end because I think that's where, I mean, there are problems with this episode, but I think just from maybe more of a writing standpoint, the end's a little bit of a letdown. Do you want to explain the end? And that way the listener just isn't hearing to me yabber on. I mean, sure, I guess. Um, we have to we have to think about the fact that like this is very dated material. This is how I feel when I watch the majority of the original series is that I have to understand when this was made and just the the overall temperature of American society at the time and how much shit was changing. Like, like we're, we're kind of in a similar place in history right now where we're experiencing a lot of growing pains Mm -hmm. as we were in the late sixties. There was a lot that changed as far as what things were acceptable in the world during that time. And a lot that's been changing right now 
and in the past year, honestly. So like I have to look at that through that lens. Otherwise, I can't watch it. (laughs) So basically what happened is Vina, the blonde woman, is, of course, the sole survivor of this crash on this planet. And she was injured. And these huge brain aliens didn't know anything about human physiology. So when they tried to save her life, she ended up horribly disfigured. And they supplied her with this illusion that uh, illusion of health and beauty right so that she she couldn't she wouldn't be like disgusted with herself all the time which is the idea that they didn't create that illusion until pike showed up and they had some sort of reference like the fuck like i don't yeah because sorry to interrupt but no, it's okay. I, I was a little confused about that because they said she said they didn't they had never seen a human they didn't know how to put me back together yeah so how how could they have created the illusion if they you know what I mean? So well, from I, from looking into her mind, but she, she didn't know what humans. How did she know about makeup and hair? You know what I mean? Like I feel yeah. like maybe the illusion it wasn't ha- created until Pike showed up, and then they were oh, like, "Oh, that's what a female's supposed to smart, look like." Smart, smart, true, 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 true. So she she like all of a sudden had this transformation when he arrived, just, just within like the last. Two days or whatever it's which like to be. adds to her desperation for him to stay. Maybe yeah. I'm just I'm guessing. I'm filling in blanks. I was right. a little confused there are some, about there are that. Some yeah, because it is hilarious when you first watch this and she's just like any woman from that era. But yeah. please continue. Yeah. So they're like creating this illusion for her, where not only does she see herself this way, but like so does anyone around her, and then. He's like, do you want to come back to the ship with us? But she doesn't go. And then they're like, they they create like an image of him, right? So that she's not alone. She like thinks he's there with her. Yeah. And she knows it's fake. Yeah. I think. But it's yeah. like the idea that she's happy. So what happens is the aliens do their research. They find out like, oh, you aren't going to work for this plan because oh, yeah, 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 we yeah, found yeah. out that you guys don't like being held captive. Oh, you'd rather die than that. Well, then this isn't going to work. Like, yeah. you just go back to your ship. Took them a while um, to get to that place. Like, they could have, <laughs> I mean, from the get-go, obviously, they don't want to be in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you, you think if they could read their minds, they'd kind of get that. But anywho. Yeah, um, I don't, maybe their telepathy doesn't work that way. I don't understand. <laughs> I guess. Too primal of an urge. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is he's trying to bargain with the aliens that number one and other space girl. <laughs> no, yeah, yeoman. Yeah. I can't say that. Yeoman. Yeoman. Let's um, just say Anson. Anson. <laughs> thank you. It, We're going to do that. It is. Let's just say Anson. I'm, I'm here for that. Okay. Yeah. So he's trying to say, look, send them up. I'll stay with her. And then that's when they reveal, oh, we don't want you anyway. So you can just go back to your ship. And so they're all looking at her like, you want to come with us? And she's like, I can. And that's when they do the grand reveal that, you know, when she was shipwrecked, she says, I was a lump of flesh. They had never seen a human. They didn't know how to put me back together. And so she's older. She basically looks like an old, uh, uh, what you would describe as an old hag. Um, and then Ugh. with some scars and some some bumps on her. She looked um, like a witch. Yeah, yeah, very like witchy. 
Yeah. Um, and then like cartoon witch. What's... She looks like cartoon, like Disney cartoon witch. So what's horrible, though, and this is where you kind of have to remember, like, think of it more as a sci-fi story in a bubble. Take it out of Star Trek. Because, of course, the first thing I thought was like, well, shit, you could just get her on the ship and surgically alter her in like an hour if it was that big of a deal, like with yeah. everything they've done. But if we were on the Enterprise D. But yeah, but that hadn't been established. So it's like, yeah. we, we don't know that. And if that was true, like Pike, when he came back, would have probably been, you know, cosmetic surgery and all that. He wasn't. So there's that. But what's even worse before we get into that is Pike goes back on the ship and it says like, she couldn't come with us. I agree with their reasons. <laughs> he basically says, I agree. She is too ugly to come back to Earth, even though she's being held prisoner for 18 years we should really leave her there and she was too gross <laughs> there's some there's some kind of like eyebrow raising lines in this episode but that one for me may have been the worst actually it was yep. like really i mean really that's let's just list the problems there's sexism there's ageism there's ableism all sh- all smushed into this yep she was too disgusting ugly and also she's a woman so what use is she <laughs> it's if better she's to, not that <laughs> if she's not pretty so yeah um, we're gonna leave her with this this she'll alien be race ha- that's she'll that's be been torturing there. that's been torturing her for 18 years yep. and even though i guess they hint that they're just gonna like let her live her years out happily with her fake pike but and all of a sudden we trust them yeah that's another good point um, but it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ugh. With with the, the, the writing earlier, which I actually thought was really nice about the line of like when you when you care more about dreams than reality. And mm-hmm. it, it starts to get into, especially with some of the illusions that Pike has, like being back home riding horses. And he tells the doctor, I just want to ride horses and have picnics and stuff. And then he gets that and he's like, I realize what the doctor meant when he kind of scoffed at that idea i thought it would have been and maybe it was supposed to be an earlier draft a more clever commentary on that premise the idea of would you rather live in reality or is happiness whether it's reality or as long as it's real to you you know like that gets into some heavy sci-fi shit yeah and so i thought it was going to be that she's like i know i'm being held captive and all this but i don't want to go to earth if I look like this, I would rather stay here and be happy with you, even though it's not you. That kind of seems like a, a little bit more of a sophisticated ending. But they, I don't know if they ran out of time or if they just didn't get there. But it's its left to be more like, oh, shit, you're too ugly to come back. Yeah, you should stay here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you know what? You're right. You're, you, yeah, yeah. I, I can't even look at you. I can't even. Nope, 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 nope. I don't think the transporter will even work for you, you know? <laughs> It scans this tra- the transporter scans for pathogens and attractiveness. <laughs> I think the ending probably is stronger if you read it as a short story. I think it's a more powerful ending because if all you read is that she's been horribly disfigured or like or or you know put together wrong, then your imagination is probably going to come up with a much more powerful vision of what that looks like. And mm-hmm. in the original version, the humanoid aliens were actually crab-like creatures. 
And even though Roddenberry had pitched them as crab-like aliens. That makes so did, much more sense. Yes. Like then they really wouldn't know what a human looked like. And I'd be like, whoa, she could have looked really messed up. Um, and they've got these but, sharp pinchers. Like they probably right? made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, then it's like if you were reading that, your mind and your own imagination just could really fill in the blanks visually yeah. in really interesting ways. Yes. If um, these aliens were non-humanoid in any way. Right. Right. They didn't do that because of budget constraints. And Roddenberry also didn't want to make it seem very like 1950s rubber monster, um, which makes sense that they changed it. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm interested in this specifically as source material now for this new show that is very obviously progressive and forward thinking and feminist where we have depictions of not only number one, but Nurse Chapel as well in the same show. I Yeah, I didn't know they were going to bring her back. So great. We also have Cadet Uhura in this cast. We also have, I don't know, he looked like an Andorian, but he wasn't an Andorian. That other alien. Is it a new yeah. alien? New kind of alien? I thought he was just supposed to be a... Andorian with a slightly different skin tone, just oh. like we've seen Klingons with like more purpley skin tones. But I'm I, into let's, it. Let's get this straight. Uh, we were we watched some of the trailers and stuff out there for Stranger Worlds. I have literally only seen like the minute and a half character introduction. Yeah, and then you've seen a panel and some more stuff. So you might have seen more material than me. You probably are going to have to like lead this part a little bit more. Yeah. I think I just want to say with what I know about what new Star Trek is trying to do, I love the idea of taking this source material, the very first thing that Gene was able to get produced, which when we look at it from where we sit in history right now, we see all of the flaws that it has. But I also see what he was trying to do in a lot of moments as well. If we go back and take that source material and then do with it what we can to make it completely relevant and helpful for our society now, which is what Star Trek has always tried to be, that's beautiful to me. Because, like, this pilot is really fucked up. <laughs> but there is, there are, like, moments of potential all over the place in it. And it's this idea of, like, looking at it and taking all of those beautiful mm -hmm. moments of potential and making them into something new and something that is still relevant now. And I am excited about that. I I agree. Like, we don't really grade or give, like, a final verdict of the stuff we watch in these episodes. But if I had to rate the cage, I mean, I, I would give it, like, a solid B+. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it's not higher is just because some of, mainly the, the ending from a writing standpoint. Um, but then also the, it, some of the issues we're talking about yeah. with some of the... Yeah, like, oh, that that's not a cute look. Oh, <laughs> but yikes. like it it genuinely to me was a good a good sci-fi premise. And yeah. and I'm kind of shocked that it didn't go over 
as as well as t- you know i expected it to be a hot mess basically and it was it was extremely competent well lauren there were too many women in the story <laughs> <laughs> and pike didn't want I, any of them come are- on pick one pike and one of them was just disgusting <laughs> oh. <laughs> and i do feel like we need to mention that this script was reworked a million times a million times some of it was because of Roddenberry some of it was because Roddenberry was trying to satisfy other people um, to get it where it needed to be you can feel and you can feel that I just watched like Beyond the Stars you know which is beautiful episode of Deep Space Nine but there literally almost is that process where they're like Benny the captain can't be black and they're like well what if it's a dream you know he's they're like trying to bargain and figure out how to work and it's like and it it almost you wonder how much of that has not been documented where maybe there were things that we wanted and it was just like yeah but you know Mr. So-and-so says we gotta Mm. do this or yeah but we're not um, gonna pay for that (laughs) right so and, and as much as we love star trek and what it stands for it does suck that at the end of the day it is a product and there was a lot of yeah. like straightforward business concerns as far as getting this out there and compromises and you know again you and i know as creatives like what it means to try to play ball yeah yeah especially during this time in the mid yeah. late 60s when regulation about what could be on television was strict and sometimes had a real law behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, those of us who love Star Trek can, I think, look at something like this, see the problems, but know that Gene was doing his best. And I think that making a show like Strange New Worlds now is very much so honoring his legacy Mm -hmm. by taking these characters, his initial characters, the first ones that he brought to the screen and giving them a new life and giving them permission to do all the things right, you know, to do, to like say the things that needed to be said, you know, to, to be, to call out the injustice, to show us like these nuggets, these moral storytelling nuggets in a way that is, Hopefully not as constrained as it was at the time. Now there is the support and more importantly, unfortunately, like the resources, the money, the like, like the the proof of concept is there. Star Trek's a huge thing and they can make money off of it. So, so of course they're going to like be green light and shit like crazy. It doesn't mean there's still politics or hurdles to jump over, but Roddenberry was starting from square one it was just a battle Mm -hmm. to have them order a script to consider Mm -hmm. so it was like a first date with the studio he was not trying to necessarily make star trek he was just trying to like sell it (laughs) get get his foot in the door trying to open the door yes exactly yeah i mean this is the first step to being able to have the first interracial kiss on television this was the first step to the first black woman cast member who was not a maid this is the first step to a japanese american main cast member on a 
futuristic sci-fi show. This is this is the first step to a lot of important moments mm-hmm. yeah. in not only Star Trek history, but television history and American history, right? These are the first steps to Mae Jemison being the first black woman in space. You know, this is mm-hmm. this is like legit. It's 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 amazing to think about something like this episode, which if we watch it out of context, it's like interesting story, but also holy shit, what the fuck? What the fuck? You know? Like what? Um, but looked at in context is like these were fucking baby steps. Oh yeah. A lot of people had to be made comfortable in order to even get this show made at all. Oh yeah. A lot of and people this- had to be appeased in order to get this show even on the air. <laughs> so more reasons why like I'm just like super excited to see like where this new show Strange New Worlds takes these characters. I have I have questions just because you've seen more material about the new Stranger Worlds. Yeah. Because I think the biggest thing was I was just surprised to see um, uh, Nurse Chapel and Hura show up. Yeah. And I just didn't know if in the panel you watched, like, do they explain any more about, like, the context of why their characters are there? I think it's because, well, they're doing some rewriting of history in a way. Okay. Because what we're doing with Pike, what we have done with Pike canonically in Star Trek 2009 and then with Discovery is Pike is now not like the prototype for Kirk. Pike is the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk gets to the Enterprise. So there's a oh, whole now. So that's why some of the crew is, is there. Right. Right. Yeah. So okay, that like, okay, now we're looking at period of time, basically between discovery and the original series, as far as the timeline goes. Okay. <laughs> so Spock was science officer. Number one is the first officer. We're potentially looking at cadet. Uhura ah. was on the ship. I mean, looks like Nurse Chapel was on the Enterprise for a real long time. That's her <laughs> spot, you know? It's 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 cool because like you get to pull from material that already exists, but again, like we were saying earlier, creating a new a new place to live, basically. Like a reinterpretation too. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say is Uhura and Chapel have really different designs to them which makes yeah. sense they're taking them out of that sort of 1960s template they were put in and reimagining them yes yes we're back and to another it- episode of star trek hair <laughs> yay um although rebecca romaine did say that one of her favorite things about working on the, sh- the new show was doing the vintage hairstyles oh okay so I, I mean like yeah. chapel has like this almost like <laughs> I see almost I want I was wanted to say Andy Warhol, but it is not that <laughs> no poofy, but she has like very icy tendrils and uh Hura is basically like clean not clean shaven, but you know, like buzzed. Yeah. Okay. They show her very briefly in the trailer, so I couldn't get a that good of a look. Yes. Yes. I fucking love it. I love it. It's so exciting. They talked about um the production design. There is, there are going to still have mid-century modern elements to it. Influences. Yes. Yeah. That's smart. I think that's smart. Right. Right. 
um, to really keep it uh, f- like feeling like that original set in but did in they, some ways. But they didn't really bother to do that with Discovery, right? No, 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 they didn't. Because that's... Discovery is completely different. No, I know. But just yeah. like you just said like how it's like... Because uh, I know I know Discovery has to deal with some time travel, right? Yeah, there's a lot of so, time travel. So, okay, actually. okay. Because it would be like, but wait, if... Um, yeah okay i mean there there has to be you know in universe suspension of disbelief and for a lot of i this. know i just think that this new cast is so fucking cool and i'm really excited about the episodic serialized storytelling i'm excited yeah. about the, the adventure of the week coming back i'll be excited about that i love yeah. that like the old x files when it was like Oh, yeah. Crazy mysteries there to solve. It was wonderful. So I watched a bunch of the panel, the Star Trek Day panels. I watched um, I've been watching like the new stuff that's been coming out. There's not a ton of material. They haven't revealed a lot about Strange New Worlds, but I've seen as much as there is out there. And then watching the cage after all of that, watching the cage after seeing this new iteration of Pike played by Anson Mount on discovery has been a very interesting fucking experience. Hmm. It makes me feel hopeful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it gets me excited because I feel like we spent some time specifically the time, some of the time that Rick Berman was in charge of star Trek um, going backwards and getting progressive ideas shot down. You just reminded me of something. Um, in the notes I read, it was talking about how a lot of actors talked about how they um, saw the cage. Who's the new Spock again? Oh, Ethan Peck. Yes, like Ethan Peck said he even researched the cage for his audition. And then there's a note under it that says Rick Berman says he has not seen the cage in its entirety, just clips here and there. And all I could do was hear Larissa's voice in my head go, fuck you, Rick Berman. (laughs) I mean, fuck you, Rick Berman. (laughs) (laughs) Told (laughs) you. There it is. There it is. I mean, like, especially with Enterprise, you know, Mm, yeah. um, really feeling like Berman was trying to make Star Trek something that it wasn't supposed to be, in my opinion. Trying to make it into just the adventure and not the moral storytelling, not the introspection, not the looking at our culture through a different lens, you know? And it seems to me like Rick Berman was much less interested in that than he was in space, (laughs) Mm. you know? And now I think even though the majority of the people who are producing the new shows and and stuff like that are and creating the new shows are white, which is a little disappointing to me. We do have more women in there we do have more people of color directing we do have more people of color writing and on the show blah 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 all that stuff we still have more work to do sure but i i feel like this new season of star trek 
and when I say season, I mean this new like era, you know, this new era of Star Trek is focusing on looking at our society through this different lens as opposed to making it all about the space stuff. And mm-hmm. that is always what I have preferred. Um, that is why I like that is why I got into Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember the TNG cast talk about how Roddenberry would always do these little morality plays in 45 minutes. And yeah, with this, um, where we are now in present times, and then the combination of that and going to a show that allows more episodic uh, shows and, and bite-sized Star Trek, uh, I think maybe we can have the opportunity to go back to that when we don't have to commit to something being a whole season or multiple seasons when it's just like, we're going to show up and this is the little morality play we're going to explore in 45 minutes, just like some of your favorite past episodes mm-hmm. of Star Trek or TNG. Um, I was kind of, I said one of the wonderful things about short treks is that they were just these little stories and it was like they were mm-hmm. they were well done and they were manageable <clears throat> and thought-provoking um when you got the best of the best of them and this is kind of expanding upon that but in a in a full show yeah um, they tried to do that with voyager but actually voyager they wanted to keep it more episodic but they wanted it to be more tos where it was focused on adventure and i like how you put it more space yeah and and less of, I mean, even though obviously, yes, they're going to tackle issues that may have not been the main thrust of Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that concept, the, the idea. And mm-hmm. Akiva Goldsman, um, executive producer, Akiva Goldsman said this during the panel that the goal is to like, maybe make you, if not change your mind about something at least see it in a new light by the time the mm-hmm. episode is over. Ooh. And I just think that's fucking lovely. Star Do Trek, man. <laughs> Star Trek, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Do we know when this show is coming out? I do not know. Um, I think it's 2022 sometime, but it's, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's sometime next year. Sometime next year. Yes, sometime next year. Be on the lookout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. There's so much new stuff. We're y'all, we're gonna eventually talk about lower decks. Uh um, the entire season isn't done, so it's still airing right now. So we maybe we'll wait until it's over and then break it up into two sections like we had before and just like but I mean I've been watching. But Lauren needs time to watch those. Uh, we are going to, in the future, talk about some other animation. Yay. Which more is Star Trek. Yes. I guess yes. with Prodigy out, coming out, we have to be more specific. Oh, yeah. there's There are now going to be three Star Trek animated series, which is very, very exciting. But we're, we're going to, we've picked a couple episodes of the animated series to watch and uh, enjoy. So we're going to have that coming at you soon and we've got mm-hmm. I mean we've got more content coming in the future but like man this was fun to talk about some some old some like literally the oldest and newest Trek <laughs> right oh my gosh that's a <laughs> sci-fi premise on its I own I know we're in like a time paradox ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening ah, time paradox. and to quote Spock <laughs> 
rockets switch to rockets we got to <laughs> blast out of here or whatever it is the only time yeah. you hear about rockets in star trek <laughs> to also quote fuck the women the women <laughs> And just like that, two women are going to disappear. Oh, no, 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 (laughs) no. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show. On Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. Yeah, I thought thought these aliens were smart. Yeah, I didn't exactly buy the excuse. I'm like, they didn't know what I looked like. And it's like, really? Because... Because I'm pretty sure they're 